0: Listen to this. This is what Moses says. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, shout, said to us, us. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Shout, it's time Time. to break camp camp. And and move on. All right, please be seated. God, do something in our lives, would you? As we sit here and watch by video. Uh, transform us to this word in jesus name amen uh first of all uh if you had a blessed time last weekend at our easter event let's just give god a hand praise you thought it was just awesome (laughs) i just want to thank uh all of you who volunteered and uh that helped that we couldn't have done it without just the tons and tons of volunteers and the heart uh, that you brought to that, and uh, to all of you who invited family and friends and colleagues. Uh, and I've just stories that keep, they, they continue to pour in about what God uh, uh, did and is continuing to do through that. So we just had an awesome, awesome weekend. Uh, if you were with us last weekend, you know that I started a five-week series that we call uh, Transformed. Everybody shout, Transformed. Transformed. The big idea is simply That if you do life with Jesus Christ, he's going to transform you in some pretty remarkable, I'd even say astonishing ways. And this doesn't mean that you're going to become perfect or flawless. But it certainly means kind of in the words of the uh, song that we used to sing in the Baptist church when I was growing up. We used to sing this song that says, uh, I'm not all that I should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Uh, actually, once you turn to somebody next to you? And say, "Hey, say, excuse me, if you don't know, I'm asking." But by the way, introduce yourselves to each other rather right? Just, just because you would be talking, yeah, it's good to know who you're talking to. <laughs> all right, now you know each other. Say, "Excuse me." <laughs> I'm, not all that I could be, I'm not all that I could be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good? With my goodness, praise God! Go ahead, celebrate that. Celebrate that. Turn to, turn to the other person and say, uh, I'm, and I'm still a work in process. Let them know. Now, if you happen to be talking to your uh, wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm sure they say, yes, I already know that. You didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> so, during uh, the next several weeks, we just want to explore practically, uh, how does this transformation work? How does How does God drive transformation in our lives? And one of the things that happens for us is that if in fact you decide to trust Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose from the dead, your paradigm for how you view life shifts. You begin to know that if God showed up in his son Jesus and cared enough about you to die for you, for your sins and minds, and then conquered death and lives today. It says three things about God. One, it says something extraordinarily powerful about his love. He loves you. Two, it says something about his power. Uh, he's able uh, to uh, provide for you. And third thing, it says that God is for you and not against you. Come on, say that with me. Say, God is for me and not against me. And that's the paradigm which we look at. So wherever we end up at, that is the paradigm that a believer has. That God is for me and not against me. God is both with me and ahead of me. That wherever I get in life, God is already there making a provision. And so last week we talked about how one of the transformations God drives in our life is, from, uh, is to break the stronghold of fear. And we talked about that in the life of Peter. I encourage you to read the first uh, five chapters of Acts last week. I want you to read another five this week. And uh, in terms of God breaking the stronghold of fear, we said uh, that there's three things we've got to do. One is we've got to name it. I'm afraid of what? Name it. Uh, see it. You've got to imagine what God is put before you, and then thirdly, you got to take a step towards it. This week, I was going to go back to Acts because we we're going to work through Acts. We we're going to talk about Lydia, but then uh, something interesting happened over the course of the last two weeks, and I thought, you know what I really ought to do? I need to teach, turn this into a teaching moment. So that's how we ended up in Deuteronomy this morning. Now, here's the point I want to make. It's a big point of the message. God Transforms our lives through unexpected disruptions. Everybody shout disruptions. He uses unexpected disruptions to produce within us the ability to trust him on levels that we could have never imagined before. The reason why this is an appropriate teaching point is because two weeks ago. Uh, I got a call from uh, the senior pastor of this church that we lease, the Seven Day Adventist Church, and I returned his call on a Tuesday. The Tuesday going into Easter, and he informed me that uh, he graciously uh, informed me that uh, after a time of you know prayer and fasting and and deliberation, both the board and the congregation of this church uh, uh, decided not to renew our release, which comes to an end on June 30th. That was what he shared with me. Then he shared with me why, and the why makes perfect sense. And I don't think it's an accident that this is happening, intersecting with our third year anniversary. So uh, he he reminded me that when me and Pastor Dan Monroe, we were the first to meet with him uh, and talk about uh, launching Uh, NBCC in this space we didn't know how many people would show up from week to week he graciously and his board opened the doors of this church and we told him that we thought it would take us about 18 months, about a year and a half to find a permanent place and so they gave up this all this sanctuary, all of the space that's being occupied by our children's ministry, there's tons of space and they have to give that space up beginning Saturday night, their worship day is Saturday but Saturday night and then Sunday morning all the way through till two o'clock, which means they can't access this space for programming. So as we cross our third year uh, threshold, he just said they just need to reclaim their space. So I, I get that. That makes perfect sense. So I first thing I did was I, I thanked them for the generosity uh, of creating, giving us this space for the last three years. The second thing uh, I said to him was that I was filled with, well, the second thing I said to him that I was shocked. Because uh, I didn't expect that to be a conversation. So I'm just being honest. The third thing I said to him was, but I had perfect peace about it. And the reason why I had perfect peace about it was, was, was two things. That God immediately dropped in my mind, immediately brought to my spirit. The first was a message that I had just preached here three times. Somebody say three times. Two days earlier. And some of you will recall it was a message about how I ended up on this big platform at Mount Hermon. And it turned out the only way to get down was the bungee jump. And the woman tried to count me down, one, two, three, and I stayed there. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's see it. Roll the tape. Because sometimes... At the end of the day, you just got to jump. So here's what the woman said to me. She said, we're going to do it again. She said, I'm on council three. Now here she said, what do I want you to do? She said, I want you to get to the edge. And all you have to do is just step. Just, just step off. And I said, say that again. She said. I even practice it I just, Okay, I can do it So she said, are you ready? I said, ready Alright so She said, Oh, you on the edge? I said, I'm on the edge She said, one She said, two She said, three Boom And she pushed me <laughs> the character of the rope caught me bounced me back up and I said praise God hallelujah thank you Jesus trustworthy here's a little insight sometimes you want to jump. You've been to enough church services. You've heard enough messages. You've, you've learned enough scripture. You almost believe. But then to give up control over that which you think only you can control is just too much. And God says, but just keep coming to church. And that's his way of scooting you to the edge. And then... When you least expect it, he allows your life to come unglued. And when it comes unglued, he pushes you. Yeah. <laughs> the coming apart of life sometimes is all we need to be pushed. To let it go and to discover that God is everything he says he is and so much more give god a hand for his. how many of you believe god is everything he says he is and so much more so get this uh the day after that message was monday that's my day off so tuesday is my first day coming back to the office And that's the day I had the conversation. So it was, by the way, that's one of the reasons why you want to keep coming to church. Because God has a way of speaking to you. All of us, including the preacher. Right? Uh, And helping us to interpret the stuff that's happening in our lives. Because our basic question is always, where is God in all of this? And because... I had just preached that message to them and ended that message that way. That when life comes unglued, sometimes God pushes. I got that phone call and that came to my mind. And I, 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 I immediately felt a sense of peace. The second thing that came to my mind, and I hadn't thought about this scripture in years, is the one we've just read, Deuteronomy 1.6. Moses is the one that's uh, speaking by the time we get to verse 6. The entire book is really composed of three, uh, three uh, speeches that he gives at the very end before he transitions to Joshua. And so uh, right here, the nation of Israel has been in Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, that's all the same space, for a year during a journey that should have only taken them 11 days. And then Moses pronounces a disruption because where the folk had gotten comfortable, he then says to them that the Lord our God said, and he's reminding them now, this is 40 years later, and they're actually about to go into the promised land. And so he's reminding them of what happened. God's my neck. He says, for the Lord our God said to us, everybody say said to us. us. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. Shout, long enough. In other words, the very purpose that I have you here has been completed. It's, you've been there long enough. Break, it's time, shout, it's time, it's time. to break camp and move on. Uh-huh. And this text, which I hadn't seen in years, it came right back to me. And I, I could just just hear God says, look, you've been here long enough. It's time to break camp and move. Everybody say, and the Lord said to us. So, so here's a little insight, as we as because you're going to find yourself, well, if you're part of this experience, you'll you find yourself in the midst of disruption, but you're going to find yourself in the midst of life is going to be disrupted a lot of different ways. Life is disrupted when a relationship that you're fully invested in, suddenly it falls apart or there's an unexpected death that might take place. Life is disrupted where a business you've invested in, suddenly it goes under. Life, life has a way of being disrupted when you get bad news about a a sibling, about a loved one. I mean, that's, life has a way. I mean, you know, life gets disrupted. And, you know, the Warriors loses. Life gets disrupted. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me. <laughs> so so we, have to, we have to figure out, so all right, how do I deal with it? Because this is a reality. So the first thing is, everybody say, God said to us. The first thing that you do if your paradigm is that God is for me and not against me is that you've got to begin to look for where is God involved in this disruption. Doesn't mean that he made it happen, but where is he in it? And what guidance is he trying to give me through it? That's the basic question. And so we, from the message, already had the answer. God is in it. And and they prayed and fasted. And and all of that. So no no no. God is saying you stayed at this mountain long enough. Now, the passage talks about how they're at Mount Sinai. Everybody shout Mount Sinai. If You're reading the New International Version, some of the other translations says Mount Horeb. Uh, that's the mountain range. There's about six hundred thousand people scattered out through these mountain range. but the summit of the mountain is actually referred to as Mount Sinai. The reason why the Living Translation points out this notion of Mount Sinai is because it's here over the course of that year where the unique identity of the nation of Israel was formed uh, through the giving and the understanding of the Torah, the Jewish law. Israel was meant to be unlike any other nation. And it comes clear to me as I think about this passage, it's very applicable to us because the fact of the matter is that over the past, of this last three years, as we're now celebrating today, our anniversary, over three years, God has had us here in this facility so that he could uniquely form who NBCC is called to be. And just in case you don't know it, we're not called to be your run-of-the-mill church. Tell the person next to you, this is not a run-of-the-mill church. Tell them. Tell the other person, this is not the church your grandmama grew up in. Tell them. <laughs> All right, there are several things that God has forged within us that, that shapes the uniqueness of this church. It doesn't mean that we're better. It just means that we're, di- we're uniquely shaped because of the mission that God is trying to call us to do in this in this world. The first is notion of diversity. Everybody shout diversity. diversity. Come on, just look around you. You see it, right? And You remember last, uh, last weekend, we were stretched out by the thousands in the Flint Center. I mean, this remarkable diversity. You know, this is not your grandmama's church, <laughs> right? Because we're, those of us who went to church or grew up in church, we're used to being in churches that look like us. It was an all black church. It was an all white church. It was an all Republican church. It was an all Democrat church. Lots of rich folk over there. Lots of poor people over there. You know, there's all everybody kind of grouped together. It's just, just, you know, but not here. You're sitting around folk who are so different from you. And it is this uniqueness that enables us to make disciples of every nation. Come on, give God a hand, in praise. This is amazing what God is doing. And and so when I say, when I hear the text says that you've stayed at the mountain long enough, when I, since God is saying, look, I've had, you've been here long enough to kind of seal this notion of diversity in your DNA. Now it's time to release you. Diversity. Second, we're outward focused. Now that's different than a lot of churches that we know. A lot of churches that we know are inward focused. There's the inertia that pulls you inward. You know, you start hearing people talk about, well, you know, they have fights over what songs they're going to sing uh, inside because these are the songs I like. <laughs> right? You know, don't sit in their seat, right? You know, some folks they, they sit in the same seat for 15 years. And it doesn't matter how many guests, the 10 new guests come sit on the pew. Oh, we're happy to sit, but can't sit there. You got to sit over there. That's my seat. not here come on shout not here not here here because our orientation is about the most important person here is the one that's not here and you've heard me say it and you've seen us demonstrate that we're committed to changing anything we need to change except for compromising the word of god to reach as many people for jesus christ as possible that's the mission and the focus of this church And this is the kind of church where if you show up uh, and and, and you need a seat, we'll give you the seat we're sitting in and we'll go stand in the lobby. Mm -hmm. And God is saying, you stayed at this mountain long enough to forge that in your DNA. Out with focus. Third thing that's unique about us is we believe in practical teaching. That, 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 that when I get ready to teach or any of our team get ready to teach, we're asking the question, how does this scripture practically apply to your life? Now, I told you all a few moments ago, because i like for you to have context, that the book of Deuteronomy is composed of three final speeches from Moses. I could have went on and told you that the book of Deuteronomy is... Uh, is kind of the layman's guide to the Jewish Torah. I could have went on to tell you that the book of Deuteronomy is probably the book that was discovered during Josiah's day in the temple, led to a renewal. And, you, you know, you would have listened to it politely. Some of you would have been really excited about it, about know, this many. Because most of you are like, well, that's nice, but what does that have to do with my life? Like, that's not answering, that's, not asking, that's not answering any of the questions I'm asking. Like, I'm asking about where is God when, when the bottom falls out of my life. That's not helping me at all what you're talking about. I, I, I want to know how to work through forgiveness so that I can emerge on the other side of life. That's not helping me at all what you're talking about. It's nice, scholarly, but I'm not interested. Most of you. So we focused on practical teaching we encourage folks to go to bible study and systematic studies there's a place for that but here we want you to connect the word of god to your everyday life so that even if you don't believe in jesus you walk out here and try what we're talking about you get your life changed and discover christ in the midst of it let me give you some good news about how all this stuff you saw this stuff on display last weekend writ large and the result of it uh, that we could measure is that 173 people took their next step with Jesus Christ last weekend. Isn't that amazing? I oh, want y'all to Y'all like, that's a lazy clap. Come on, I said 173, guys. Hey! 173. Impacted by... Music they could relate to, through an environment driven with contagious hospitality, with teaching that was practical, that spoke to where they, where they are. 100, do you know the average church in America is 75 people? We had 173 folk to decide to take the next step with Jesus. That's larger than an entire congregation. Come on, guys. This is awesome. And, and so I hear God saying to us, you've been You've stayed at this mountain long enough. Your unique identity has been formed. Another thing that is unique about us is that you don't have to be a, a partner or a member of this congregation to serve. Why? Because one of the biggest things we're trying to do is to teach you how to trust Jesus with more and more of your life. And how to deepen your commitment and one of the ways to do that is through serving that's how you are captured by the character of Jesus let me tell you a couple of stories from last week that really kind of models this right a uh, one lady and I actually met both of these people this morning I told this story at 8 o'clock they were there good thing I was telling the truth because they <laughs> both of them stopped me outside <laughs> I'm the one I'm the one now, one lady had a prosthetic fell at the Easter gathering two of our volunteers number of them was there two of our volunteers immediately there she didn't think they could get her up they got her up took care of her got her to where she needed to go and her response when it was all said and done was check this out they treated me like a queen uh, oh. that's the MVCC that God is building had another situation here. I find this absolutely fascinating. Uh, you know, you guys had to all park in Lot C. And then you had to walk. And, and we had people working that area. And so an elderly lady drove up with, a car, with, some car, with some folk of hers. And when she got ready to get out, she noticed, she realized how far the walk was. She said, I'm just, I, I don't know where I can make that walk. The guy who was parking the car said, you know what, don't worry about it. Just give me your keys. And uh, I'm going to drive you around. And and he got in her car with her keys. Everybody got back in the car, drove around to the front of the Flint Center, put them out. He drove the car back to the lot, parked it when the gathering was over. He went and picked up the car, came back, picked them up. (laughs) This wasn't his mama. (laughs) These were not his cousins. He didn't know who these people were. Yes, now, let me just say two quick, what I call faith insights, right? Number one, the fact that the woman going to give her keys to somebody that she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> somebody shout, faith. <laughs> I mean, but, 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 but what, what it says about her is that she knew she was at NBCC, she could trust. And the fact that this person was willing to go the extra 10 yards, 10 steps, not just one step, but 10 steps, steps—that's that they were learning, displaying, being captured by the character of Jesus. Now, the truth be told, they all don't work out that way. Listen, I've heard some other stories too. I've heard some stories, I've heard some stories where we've got people serving as greeters and so forth, and somebody comes in and, and with a smile, you say to them, you know, Welcome to NBCC. And their response is, Roof! <laughs> <Spark>. <laughs> <laughs> We're so happy to have you. Uh, uh, can, we, can, we, can we help you find a seat? And their response is, Roof! Roof! <laughs> I've heard about these stories. And yet, the host of the greeter that's working with them Respond with a smile. You know why? Because she or he knows that there's a reason behind that barking. That person may be barking because a loved one died two or three days earlier. They may be barking because a child was incarcerated the night before. They may be barking because this is the first time they've been in church in 30 years. And the last time they were in church, they left with a broken heart. And they just don't trust us. So, isn't it great to have a church where it's okay for you to bark, as long as you don't bite? <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody. Isn't it great to have a church that you can bark? And still encounter a smile, love. That's the church called NBCC. God says you've stayed at the mountain long enough. One one more thing, as we get ready to to transition to this piece, but I, I want you to catch a picture of who we are. About a year ago, I preached a message called. Uh, 20, uh, 21st century uh, relationships and, and part of it I was talking about same sex relationships and so I had a, a, a same sex couple exit and uh, they came both of them met me at the front and one of them was standing with her partner tears coming down her face and she said to me she says in all my times of being in and out of church I've never felt more loved than I have in this church now you got to get why this is important because I just laid out in that message A, that our theological perspective is that from Jesus' perspective marriage is defined and intended to be between a man and a woman Lay that out clearly and then I proceeded to say while that is a conviction of ours that same jesus was one full of both grace and truth and so while we may not agree with your private lifestyle here's one thing we know if you come in here we're going to love you right. and 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 everybody matters to god so everybody, and we mean everybody matters to us. And she heard me say, don't run out of here. and Don't run away from us. Run towards us. We've got arms of love. And she says, she's never experienced that before. <laughs> That's the church called NBCC. I had a boyfriend and girlfriend who came to talk to me several, about a month ago. They said, Pastor, you've been teaching... About the importance of marriage, and <clears throat> they've been living together for a couple of years. They had decided they were gonna get married and they set the date like two years later. I don't really quite understand how all this worked, but anyway. But they said, but from the teaching, it's become clear to us that God has a higher standard. And as followers of Jesus, we want to rise to the standard. So they canceled their two-year plans, rebooked it for June, and they're going to get married in June. That's the church called NBC. I had a father tell me that the first time he brought his kid to this church, uh, they came to church every now and then, him and his wife. Next weekend, his, his son woke them up and said, We got to go to church because the the son had such an amazing time in CYM. And every weekend, the son wakes up his parents. And the parents now say, not only is the young man being transformed, but they are being transformed by this experience. You heard about the reading bonanza, right? And You heard about uh, one one of our partners. I love this. She's not waiting to the church. She understands that being a follower of Jesus, that she needs to go into the world and be a light. So she orchestrated this whole thing. And, and, and now, this year, they're targeting 1,000 kids in East Palo Alto to give out 10,000 brand new books. But here's what you don't know. And we're, gonna, we're, pardon, we're generating volunteers to go. If you, if, you, if you haven't signed up, make sure you sign up. Here's why it's important. Because what she told me the other day was, of the kids in East Palo Alto are homeless. I didn't say 15%. I said 58% while you're at home, comfortably in your bed. 58% of these young people are homeless, living in a car, in a garage. So when we say we want to transform communities, you know what that means? We don't want to be a church that comes up here and worship on Sundays, talking about how good God is, and then going back to life as normal and walk past that. Amen. We believe that Jesus has called us to be a part of changing stuff like that in the world. That's who NBCC is. And what God has said is for the last three years, you have been, you've stayed at the mountain long enough. I forged this into your, into your DNA that, that, that the word has gotten out. That whenever you hear NBCC, you hear a, a, a church that is not typical. Now break camp and let's move on. I'm getting ready to do some big stuff with y'all. Let me give you these three quick insights in as we leave. So this really applies to your individual life, right? So when life comes unglued, you got to look for where God is in it. You got to look for what does God say? What is the kind of guidance is he's giving to you? Not every disruption is a bad disruption. And whatever the disruption is, if God is in it and can use it, that's going to turn out to be a good thing. So uh, the next thing is we then have to look at how we respond to disruptions. And the first thing we have to do if we're followers of Christ, if we believe that God is for us and not against us, is that we have to learn to say goodbye well. Tell the person next to you, you got to learn how to say goodbye. (laughs) And you got to learn how to do it well. A lot of us are still stuck three years because we have failed to say goodbye to an old relationship, good, 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 goodbye to, 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 to an old commitment to a job, a corporation or worse, we have said goodbye, but the way we said goodbye was horrible. I mean, I mean, it's the young lady who says, "I'm out of here," to her boyfriend. Don't call me." And he say, "Fine. And the door slam slammed. He's like, good riddance. <laughs> then the next morning he goes out to get in his car. And all four tires are on the flat. <laughs> That's not leaving well. There's <laughs> a person who leaves the job that they got fired from. And they tear up equipment and take stuff. And, 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 and leave a mess behind. That's not leaving well. Listen, if you're going to leave him, leave with a, with a sense of... Sweetness and mercy and grace, right? Leave him so well that he's afraid to eat for a week. You know, you know why? Because, man, she's like, she was so sweet. I wonder if she poisoned me. And once he figures out, no, you didn't leave any poison in his food. You just left some Christ-like love for his memory. Shout, break camp. Break camp. Okay, you got to get ready to leave. So you got to get ready to leave well. And so if the Lord drops in your heart, in your spirit, something nice or a blessing you want to do for the Seven day Adventist Church here, do it. Because we got to learn how to say goodbye and to say goodbye well they've been generous to us they've been generous to us secondly uh, look for the opportunity listen shout break camp that There were six, 600,000 people up on that mountain range. And so, so at the end of the day, when they start talking about breaking camp, that means that was a whole lot of work for a whole lot of people to do. And so as we get ready in the next two months to get out of here, there's going to be a whole lot of work for a whole lot of people to do. So a lot of you who are sitting on the pews feeling like you're not needed and you're not necessary, I'm excited because suddenly you're going to realize there's a whole lot of work for a whole lot of people to do. Tell the person next to you, he's talking about me, tell him. No, me, me. He's talking right. <laughs> Not you, me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell them they talking about you. Pounding furniture stuff. He's talking about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> gonna give some ways. All right, so you can get engaged, get ready to help set up, break down, pack up, leaves, us, get us out of here to where we gotta go. Or you can join. We've got a we've got a permanent facility search team led by Pastor Tilden. You, if you've got some experience as a real estate or a person or a broker or whatever now we already have a paid broker that's working with us doing a wonderful job but if you want to volunteer sometime go join that team that's wonderful we also have a short-term uh, team that we're looking for again temporary place this was temporary the last few years so we're looking for another potential temporary place until we can find uh the permanent place uh our places that god has for us because we ultimately we're, we're looking at multi-campus at the end of the day so uh, and, and if you've got a couple of hours during the course of the week, that doing between 8 and 5, that you can, you can spare, go join that team. So you can help us run down leads and follow up, make phone calls and so forth and so on. Pastor Dan Monroe is leading that team. And as a matter of fact, I've just appointed all of you on the lookout team. As the person next to you, did you know you're on the lookout team? Ask them. That means wherever you are, during the course of your day, be looking out. (laughs) Let me tell you what you want to be looking out for. Okay, look for a place that hopefully is between Redwood City and Santa Clara, one-on-one corridor or by some freeway. Secondly, it ought to be able to house about 1,200 adults with adjacent rooms for about 250 kids. It doesn't have to be able to house 1,200 at one time. If it can hold 400 people at once, that's great. We can do multiple services, and it needs to at least have Sunday is available at least 95% of the time. All right, you're it. And then lastly, be prayer for everybody shall pray. Pray now. Let me tell you, this is a good lesson about how to pray. Pray for, listen, if we belong to God and we do, if God created this church and he did, then God has already picked out the next place. So don't go ask God for what you want. Right? I I mean, I I had to tell you, look, I talked to myself initially. If I was going to ask God for what I want, I'd say, I want the Flint Center every Sunday. (laughs) But I want what God has already picked out and where God has picked it out. Shout, break camp. camp. Then he says, move on. Tell the person, move on. Uh, the word there is really a word translated advance watch this it's forward motion with an attitude here's the attitude advance with an excitement about tomorrow wow now this is often some of us when life got disrupted we got stuck right there we concluded there was no future Or if there was a future, it was dismal. It was depressed. There's no reason to get up. Someone died and we said, the end of our life. We lost a job. We said that was it. And for some of us, we've been there in that place where life has come unglued for four or five years. I'm here to tell you it's time for you to get up. Break camp. Expect that what God has for you is better than what's behind you. With an excitement, come on now, shout excitement! With an excitement, get ready to engage the future with a God who is for you and not against you. He's just waiting on you. Get up. Excitement, shout excitement. I I don't know what you realize, but I'm excited. Well, here's what the passage says. It says, it says, it says, it says look, it says, he says, he went on, he says, so here, here's what I want you to do. So move on. He says, go to the, to the hill country of the Amorites. And then he says, and to all, everybody shout all, all of the neighboring region. And then he starts naming all of the, the neighboring regions. The names of Jordan Valley, he names the, 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 Western foothills. He names Negev. He, he names the, the West coast plains he 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 and he says if i say go no, he, he just keeps talking to me. He said, "Go get over there where the Canaanites are, and 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 Lebanon." And he said, "Go all the way to the river, the big river, Euphrates." He says, "To all of this land." Now, when I was reading that, all I could I said I was reading that I was thinking about, "Oh man!" He said, "Go." He's like, "Go to Sunnyvale, and go to Palo Alto, and go to go to go to go to East Palo Alto, and go to go to Menlo Park, go to go to go to San Francisco, to go to San Mateo." And, and I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, but man, God, is He gets ready to get us out, He said, "Look, your third year is your war." Year, your shed, your watershed year. It's time you've been here long enough. Break camp, let's move because I got some stuff to do. Come on now. <laughs> he said, Get excited. We've got, I gotta re- I gotta get you out of here because some people won't ever come to this place. I gotta move you somewhere. You know, I, I, I talked to a, a fella at 10, and he, he said, he started telling me, he said, I want to thank you for Easter. He said, I want to thank you for your message. And then he started crying. I was, I was shocked because the last, I've known him for several weeks and he's always full of a lot of fun and stuff. I thought he was about to joke with me. And he started crying. And when he composed himself, he said, listen, I had 10 of my family members who never go to church. They came last weekend. And he said they were so moved and touched that I've gotten 10 emails over the course of this week. And they're all excited about what might come next. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to move out, get repositioned so God can reach Families like those yes. like yours. So here's where we're in. Notice that little phrase as it talks about get out there to everybody. Then it says Go in and occupy it. He says, he says, he says. He says, listen, behold. He said, paying attention. He said, pay attention. I've given all this land to you. Already, I've made it a part of your destiny. Already, I've made it a part of your portfolio. Already, I've made it a part of your future. Now, what I need you to do is to go in and occupy it. Shout, go in. in. Shout, occupy it. All right, watch this. This is significant. That phrase, go in and occupy it, Or go in and possess it. Whatever how you translate it. Appears 34 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Here's the point he's making. Look towards the future with excitement. But adjust the lens that you're about to engage life with. And anticipate. Shout anticipate. Difficulty. And success. Let me say it again. Anticipate, say it. Anticipate. Difficulties, Difficulties. And, success. and success. See, he says, I've given it to you. I've decreed it. I've declared it. I've made it a part of your future, but it will not manifest in your future until you get up out of the disrupted place and go take it. And that I means he was saying to them, you've got to fight for it. You've got you've to conquer it. You've got to win it. You've got to shed some blood. You've got to shed some tears. You've got to hurt. In other words, God, I've given it to you, but you're going to have to go through some difficulties to acquire it. Right. Now, here's the mistake that a lot of us make, especially religious folk. Either when we look at the future coming out of disruption, we conclude that the future is all difficulty, no success, no victory. Or we conclude that the future in front of us is high victory, but we totally lose sight of the difficulty. And so the moment we run out looking for success and we run into difficulty, we quit. But when he says go in and occupy what he's saying is, yes, I've decreed it as part of your destiny. But part of your ability to acquire it is that you've got to work through the difficulty. And I'm going to use the difficulty to prepare you so you can handle it once you get it. So it's not going to always be easy. I'm not suggesting. I'm excited not because it's going to be easy. I'm excited uh, tell the person next to you, he's really excited. Tell him. <laughs> All right, and, and now say back to the person, but he's always excited. Tell him. <laughs> and you're right, I am. Because I've been walking with the Lord for 52 years. He's been with me on my on high moments, he's been with me in low moments, he's been with me in the dark, he's been with me in the light, and I know he's never let me down. He is faithful. I can't wait to see what he's got prepared for us. Who we'll ended here? This is the story. Sister went home. Went to the older grandma went to church. She'd always shout when she go to church. Some of you from those traditions, you know what I meant when I, what I mean when I say she shouted. And so she came home. And grandkids gathered around. And said, "Grandma, you always shout when you go to church. I said, Why are you always shouting, Grandma?" She said, well, baby, I know what God has done for me. And she said, I just, when I think about him, I get excited. And she said, I just, I trust him so. They said, well, Grandma, what do you mean? When you you say you trust him, what does that mean? She said, baby girl, here's how much I trust him. If God told me to get up with my cane and, and start moving towards that door, I'd get my cane and start stepping. The little one, about six years old, looked at it and said, "Grandma, As he laugh? Oh, grandma, put your glasses on." So I, said, what? that's a wall over there, Grandma. There's no door over there. Put your glasses on. Said, grandma, look. So you don't need to tell me to put no glasses on. I don't need no glasses. She said, "I didn't say if you told me." She said, "If God told me." She said, if God told me it's my job to get up and start stepping, and it's his job to have a door there when I get there for me to go through. Oh, that's where I leave y'all. That's where I leave y'all. It's my job to be obedient. It's your job to be obedient. It's our job to trust God, break camp, and get moving. It's his job to make sure he's faithful and that there's a door there when we get there. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah of glory I can't wait